This is your go-to podcast dedicated to getting the exclusive scoop from the industry's top influencers that are helping to shape the cybersecurity, audit, and IT governance landscape. Tune in as we dig deep and learn their motivators, explore their industry journey, and investigate their ideas and predictions on what the future holds. This is Isaka's Cyber Pros. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is John Brandt, Director of Professional Practices and Innovation here at ISACA, and this is CyberPros. I am ex so excited today for our guest uh, speaker today. I have had the pleasure of doing a few interviews with her in the past on uh, ISACA's annual State of Cybersecurity. She is absolutely super passionate about this stuff. It is always a dream to do. Uh, interviews. We've we've interviewed across the globe. It is always a good time. Um, however, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about some of that work, though. But I have an exciting thing that she's gonna bring to you. Um, uh, this program, this initiative that she and another has stood up. It deserves as much attention as we can throw at it right now. And. Uh, because this is Cyber Pros, that's what we're going to do. So I'd like to introduce Janai Marinkovic, Executive Director for Gracie, which stands for GRC for Intelligent Ecosystems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, Don, this is um, this is a dream. Thank you very much for you know gifting all of us at Gracie the opportunity to talk about what we do and how we formed and, um, you know, ISACA played such a pivotal part in, in the way that the program was formed. And, you know, I, I'd love to, you know, thank ISACA for everything it's done. That's awesome. So again, like, you know, for, for our listeners and what you're, what, how the next 30, 40 minutes or longer might go, right, is you're going to see, like, what I love about Janai is she's data-driven. And, and to me, we, there's not enough of that out in industry right now. So super excited. You know, in opening, I talked about our joint interviews that we've done on state of cybersecurity. And again, you know, from a staff perspective, I've kind of driven the, the survey, shaped them. We're always in quest of, you know, it's this... Um, as we continue to drill down and provide meaningful, actionable information out the industry, to my knowledge, this is really the first uh, use of that information. So that I, at least I'm aware of. So super excited about this. So to open right, um, we met because of ISACA State of Cybersecurity uh, report. Uh, so Janai, when looking at this report. There's significant issues about hiring retention and how hiring man managers choose to address these issues. Why aren't more organizations choosing to train junior people in GRC or specifically cyber? Sure, it's because it's difficult. And when we first decided to engage in this, uh, this journey, uh, I underestimated uh, we underestimated how difficult it is to uh, train junior people. And the reason is, is that it's it's not all technical. Uh, in order to get somebody fit for purpose day one, uh, you, they have to under they have to have and come armed with a certain level of human skills. They have to understand certain aspects of the business. Uh, when we talk about risk assessments, I thought risk assessments were relatively simple. And I completely underestimated how much business knowledge 
is actually necessary in order to, uh, you know, execute an, an appropriate risk assessment. And so when you look at everything that you need to do to get somebody fit for purpose, uh, it's, it's not as easy as taking some online courses. Uh, you know, people have to be trained in teamwork and in corporate communications and the way we communicate and interact uh, with each other. They have to, you know, understand how to apply what controls are and how to apply them. Uh, and so when you start putting all of that stuff together, um, it, it takes quite a bit of work. And so if you look at hiring managers, hiring managers in security are understaffed. It's taking over six months in order to place people. And so if you have somebody who's already working a significant number of hours, and then you say, hey, I'm going to give you all these junior people. And by the way, you're going to have to work more hours over six months in order to get them fit for purpose. Oftentimes, it's just easier for them to go without the resource um, than to invest the time in getting somebody ready. Um, and it's a mistake. You know, you bring up so, so many valid points there. And I, and I, too, have been guilty of oversimplifying things. I think like there's that, you know, you underestimate, you know, whatever. And it is it's hard, right? Because at the end of the day, people have really made this out to be, it's such a complicated, you know, it takes so much to, to get into the industry and everything. But increasingly, we're seeing, uh, you know, some very loud voices out in industry saying, listen, if you come to the table and you can work with others, you could communicate, you can understand the bigger picture, we can teach you the specific technical components, right? Now, you might, it might not be, you know, what we would consider like a tier two, tier three level, obviously, right? But at the end of the day, I think we've really done ourselves a disservice in the industry by trying to be too broad with our resources, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, you talked about being data driven, you know, we say things like, they need to have problem skills, and they uh, solving skills, and they need to have critical thinking skills. Well, what is that? What exactly is that? And how do you train for that? And I think, you know, just like you said, we, we talk in generalities. That means that we can't actually solve it. Um, specificity, specificity, specificity is necessary in order to solve problems. And so uh, that was a huge learning for us is, is how do you actually train somebody to have the critical thinking skills and the problem solving skills necessary to thrive? in a GRC or cybersecurity or, or tech-related career. Uh, you know, so that, uh, uh, you know, getting down to what actually has to happen in order to build that. And by the way, it's not something that can be done overnight. Again, it's not a boot camp that you can jump into and, and, and train that. Um, human skills take time. It's a lot easier to learn tech than it is to learn the team skills necessary to go all the way from GRC to defense. You know, all those groups interrelate, work together, collaborate, and all of them rely on each other. And that's not that's hard to teach. And it's another problem is that when we bring in junior people, we bring in junior people traditionally through like a very small vein, like cyber defense or vulnerability assessments. And they never understand the bigger picture. They never get to learn how to build the ship. And so that's one of the nice things about uh, coming in as an entry point to GRC is that it helps you to understand the framework by which you build the cybersecurity capability, the way that they operate, and then some just junior GRC skills, which then allow you to then make a decision once you get into the industry, what part of cybersecurity and GRC I actually want to go into because it's so, so broad. 
You know, you just touched on how hard it is to teach some of what they would call soft skills, right? And I know that there's some others who challenge that they say people skills. I, again, being data-driven, there's a lot of academic research out there that substantiates soft skills, right, at the end of the day. And when you look at things like skills gap and where that actually historically came from, that actually was soft skills. Like we hijacked it for our own gain within the industry. But not only is it tough to solve, to train, it's even harder to assess. And I think that's where we really kind of kicked the can down the road is that it's not necessarily like I advocate it's not our problem to solve because as and through my journey and talking to people in all other types of industries, the problems that we're dealing with are not unique to tech. Yes. It's not ours to solve, but obviously we have a vested interest. So we find ourselves kind of working on it. But we're going to pivot here for a second because the real reason you're here is we're going to highlight this absolutely awesome thing. And I want all of our listeners and viewers to learn more about it. And hopefully there'll be some takeaways and whatnot. So if you would tell our listeners about Gracie and why you and Melissa Elza created the organization. Absolutely. Melissa Elza, um, by trade, is a chief people officer uh, and her whole background is human. And when I had the opportunity to meet her as the chief information security and chief technology officer for a design firm called Beyond, you know, we collaborated on how do you build training programs, you know, to get people into different areas of tech, but obviously security is my passion. So, uh, you know, how do we stop blaming human resources and saying this is a it's a pipeline problem uh, and actually start going and, and, and solving some of the challenges that we have. And so when we look at cybersecurity as a whole, you know, we've got several big challenges. One is obviously it's very difficult to try and get people into cybersecurity, but we have, you know, we're coming up on, you know, eventually a million open cybersecurity positions in the United States and not enough people that are trained to be able to get into those positions. So we've got that we've got a diversity problem. And that diversity problem manifests in so many negative ways within our industry, we ultimately have to solve it. 20% of the cybersecurity workforce is women and 26% are minorities. Uh, So our our numbers are are fairly low, but it, it actually gets worse when we start looking at moving up the chain, right? Because the only way to solve problems is, uh, you know, especially cultural problems is top down. And so we looked and it was 7% of cybersecurity director positions were filled by minorities. And then if you go even further and then say, hey, board of directors, only 5% are women of color. So we've got several big problems in that we have all these open positions. We have a diversity problem across the board. And then at the executive level, the mid-management and executive level, we lack diversity as well. And so how do we solve that? And so um, Melissa and I sat down to start really identifying what's our goal with a junior person. Well, our goal is to get somebody fit for purpose day one so that when they start their job, they actually are able to take work off of the plate of their manager, right? That um, it's not going to take six months to get this person up to speed and working. They're able to do it significantly faster. Well, what does that take? And so we reversed it to say, well, what are all of the skills that somebody needs to come to the table? And what does a training program, a learning experience look like in order to develop that? And so we broke it into four different areas. We have a GRC curriculum, 
We have a science and technology curriculum. We have a human curriculum and we have a design curriculum because one of the things that we recognized, especially having backgrounds in design, is that design is not classically trained in cybersecurity and GRC and it's very obvious. And so everything at the end of the day was predicated on design and human. And so we over-index on, on those areas in order to get people ready. And so we built this curriculum uh, and that's part of what we call the next CISO Academy. And we take students in and it's tuition free. We take a group of students in, we put them through a very rigorous training program where they go through the academy and the entire academy is delivered in VR. So, uh, and we'll talk about that later, but uh, we found that by teaching the educational component in, in virtual reality, that the retention times have been engagement is, is kind of off the charts. We also have to understand that it's more than just uh, a school curriculum, right? It's you know, in order to learn, to really learn, you have to apply. And so that's through the apprenticeship program. And so we partner with companies who give, who understand they're dealing with students um, and we go in and we do everything such as building an ISO 27001 compliant program beginning to end, meaning kickoff to audit. So we build uh, risk assessments, asset inventories. Uh, and when we say risk assessments, not just applications, we teach these students cloud so they understand how to do a risk assessment, say, for instance, in an AWS environment and break down the services and resources. So they learn that. So everything that they're learning as part of the apprenticeship gets reinforced with the academy. And so that what that means is we're just constantly modulating in order to constantly make sure that those students are fit for purpose day one. And then after they've uh, done their apprenticeship, they have this absolutely mind-blowing senior project uh, that they are responsible for delivering. And uh, each time they deliver uh, that presentation in front of a group of chief information security officers, technology executives, privacy and security executives, but executive leadership, because part of being fit for purpose day one is at a minimum knowing how to talk to your manager and know how to talk to executive leadership. We combine all of that, get them ready for their interviews and help them in terms of uh, negotiate, even helping them to understand how to negotiate their compensations uh, when they get their first jobs. Just a couple of statistics. On average, our students were getting $90,000 a year, an average of 63% increase in their compensations. And we've had already three students that were respect have uh, graduated and have within the six months, first six months, were already helping to lead the ISO 27,000 audits for their uh, for their organizations. And we target people who don't have a cybersecurity or GRC background. And oftentimes they're not technical. I have students who were housekeepers. Uh, we have students um, who were security officers. We have students that work in fast food. Uh, we have students that work on farms, uh, you know, so I think part of what we're doing is proving that you don't have to come to the table with uh, with the technical skill set in order to be able to do this work. So much to unpack there. Yeah, um, sorry I, about that. <laughs> no, actually, it's really good. Um, I, I want to touch on the first point, right, because DEI, right, diversity, equity, inclusion is just it, it is permeating everything out mm -hmm. there. There's a lot of programs that are out there, right? At the end of the day, there's a ton of resources. I, I largely, and as a veteran, you know, as a disabled veteran, like there's obviously there's pipelines there. I do know like 
you know, there's there's programs upon programs where I think we largely fall down, especially here within the United States, is that making that information available to focus to people. Right. So but with regards to DEI in our preliminary conversation, Gracie focuses on on, uh, women, black, indigenous and people of color, uh, sometimes referred to as BIPOC veterans and people from socially disadvantaged communities. And a lot of people talk about that we need to increase the, the, you know, diversity and, and all these things. But talk to me about the impacts of the lack of diversity in the industry right now. Sure. So we've got a, a couple. Uh, when we start looking, and this came from State of Security, uh, this was super interesting. So um, 11% of our workforce, the cybersecurity workforce, is under the age of 34. Uh, so we we lack diversity across the board, and we also, sad to say, oftentimes lack diversity of thought. Uh, and the reason is, is that even when we did come up through cybersecurity as a woman or a person of color, uh, we came from the same backgrounds. And so there's a tendency for all of us to kind of think in the same way. And the problem is that attackers are diverse by design, by design. And so anytime you have a more diverse group, they're going to be able to, especially in what we do, oftentimes outthink um, because they're not bound by the same way of thinking. They, their, their chessboard is bigger than ours. Uh, and so the way that you solve that is to inject different ways of thinking. One of my dearest friends, uh, she is a a landscape architect and uh, she runs a botanical uh, society. She was talking to me and she uh, she said, monocultures die. And the reason is, is that I was looking at a patch of ground and I saw it as, you know, not everything looking the same and and, and so forth. And she said, no, you actually have an incredibly healthy um, ecosystem there. And you don't want and cannot have all plants looking and acting and thinking the same because that's not a healthy ecosystem. Monocultures die. And when you start looking at the impacts to our workforce, the amount of stress that we're engaging, the number of people that are oftentimes leaving the industry. So the emotional impact that is is, is happening to us, it's, it's oftentimes I believe, um, because we are not injecting enough difference of of everything, difference of thought, difference of look, difference of feel, difference of culture that'll arm us with like the skill set to be able to outthink our adversaries. Uh, So, yeah, um, we are feeling it in terms of our inability to, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the widening threat and our inability sometimes to outthink that threat. And it's because, you know, that group is more diverse than we are. So I asked the question here. So a couple of weeks ago, I went to the you know National Initiative for Cybersecurity Education Conference, right? And one of the things which that audience is largely academic, and you know, and it was almost DEI to agnosium, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was, but it wasn't. And I asked you, Bray, from a practical thing because I think that's what's getting lost in translation. And and you you've been in the space a long time, like security by compliance doesn't work, right? Yeah. Like nothing by compliance works. And, and that's the fear right now is I think that we're we're losing the bubble, if you will, on why this is important. And that starts, that's everywhere. It's where we seek, you know, program participants, it, you know, in getting out of our own way and recruiting and retention and, you know, and understanding that stuff. So, 
you know, I'm going to jump off course here real quick, but you talked about, you know, we know who Gracie focuses on. We know that it's, you know, that there is no charge. I, I imagine, and we'll touch on this later, how we could help. But how do you go about, you know, what is Gracie doing today to get out of this normal loop of talent acquisition? Mm-hmm. To, 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 you know, to, to increase the diversity, right? To increase the inputs and the type of thought that are going to, that are absolutely critical to an ever-changing threat landscape. Sure. So uh, when we first started, it was uh, anyone we knew and friends and saying, hey, we're going to grab you and we're going to train you for six months, roll with us. Uh, and so uh, because our focus was on diversity, um, everyone that we were targeted fit in, uh, you know, fit into that uh, that group. Uh, but it, I think part of it is looking at, rather than looking at it from people's technical skills, looking at it from people's aptitude and understanding that there are a couple of key characteristics that make you successful in cybersecurity and making sure that you find those people. And part of it is grit. Um, security. <laughs> this is this is a grind and it's hard and, and there's all these wonderful inspirational moments and relationships that you build and so forth. But it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a heavy topic. Um, and in order to be able to get through it, you've got to have like this level of grit and perseverance um, and creative out of the box thinking. Uh, you know, if you can come to the table with that uh, and some level of like being OK with adhering to process, uh, if you're able to come to the table with some of those characteristics uh, then, you know, to me, uh, especially if you've got grit and perseverance, um, that, you know, you, you start to become, uh, you know, a real good candidate for getting you into cybersecurity. I think the other is, is that looking at some of the bigger waves, I mean, moving into or have moved into fourth industrial revolution, which means that automation waves are going to kill parts of the services industry, which means that a lot of people in the services industries are going to lose their jobs. And so if you don't have the right training programs to kind of reskill those people into something else, you end up with some of the, um, you know, urban decay, uh, you know, that uh, we saw when the third industrial revolution killed and steel killed those communities. So you don't want that. Uh, And so a lot of those mines are actually well situated for all of the different roles of cybersecurity. So I think part of it is like our own bias and getting out of our bias and saying, well, that person couldn't possibly be in security. It's like, are you serious? Look at the way that person thinks, you know, so look at a sous chef as an example, incredibly process based, you know, all about automation, all about teamwork. A lot of these jobs that are going to be lost as a result of it can be filled with cybersecurity related positions. And so for us, it was like looking for people with the characteristics that we needed as averse to trying to say, you know, are you able to program in this language? And do you, you know, we, I I wanted your mind, you know, it's like, how do you think? Uh, And, uh, and, and so we interview everybody, they go through an extensive interview process. And, um, you know, then after that, based on, uh, you know, the positions that we have open, we select the students. So Janai, you just, you, you talked about perseverance, grit, out of the yeah. box thinking. And, you know, and then you also talked about the fourth industrial revolution. And obviously I'm a very outspoken individual when it, especially over in the U.S., that our national academic strategy really, it hasn't changed in decades. Yeah. Right. The fourth industrial revolution, it's not just upon us. It's been here for a while. Right. And I think that's the thing. One of one of my frustrations right now is 
again, we we look for quick fixes. We are we're a people that like life hacks of any mm-hmm. sort to which STEM largely was, right? Like when I did my my graduate program in, in workforce ed and development, I looked at this. And there's a, a lot of academic research that's out there to show the systemic failures with that. And it was really because we didn't prepare the vehicle of those mechanisms. They didn't have the why it matters or the bigger picture. And that's my fear now with everything that's happening in the early in the earlier grades, you know, because they'll talk about robotics and I love robotics. I think that there's a lot of value, but we're going to make it fun. But there's no, nobody's looking to connect the dots, yeah, right, across the board. So, you know, honestly, like when we look at where society is today, I, I think the fact that you're looking for people with grit who, ha- who can persevere, I think that pool is increasingly small as opposed to generations prior. Like it just seems to continue to dwindle. Like, uh, what's your experience from the, from the, program acquisition thing. Is that, is that a valid point? Is that just one? Are you seeing something different? Seeing something different in reference to? Like, so the people that you're interviewed, are you getting the sense that there's a, that a lot of people have that quality or is it just very low? Like, so I think almost certainly everybody has those qualities when, when a crisis happens, when you (laughs) Um, uh, I think the question is, is that are you ready at this time in your life? Um, Because one of the things that that perseverance and grit exposes is vulnerability. In order to change careers, you must be willing to be vulnerable and accept that you don't know everything and that you're going to fail and you're going to cry and you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. I used an example and it's a light example of uh, I, I learned I'm learning how to play guitar and every insecurity I have has come to the table in terms of learning. And, uh, you know, so what I'm doing is just a small microcosm of what the students are having to do in terms of completely rewiring their brains. And so not everybody is ready at this moment in their life to invest that kind of time in six months. While it's certainly shorter than other programs, it's still six months. Uh, You know, six, you know, are they ready to invest that kind of time and the emotional capital, right? It's not just time, it's your emotions. Are you able and willing to, you know, uh, be willing to be wrong, be willing to fail, be willing to be called out? Be willing to uh, be successful. I've got students with sometimes severe self-esteem issues and shoot themselves in their own foot. Uh, You know, so uh, uh, one of the things that we actually do as part of this program, and and this is, again, where Melissa has been so, you know, critical is, you know, how do we start identifying career killing attributes in people early in their careers so they don't make the mistakes we did? Um, Certainly I did. Uh, you know, and um, so how do we help identify and then in a very constructive and organized way, help them work through those so that they understand uh, how to how to how to address, how to detect, you know, when I'm reacting in a specific way or how do I need to communicate and so forth. Um, so you got to be at the right moment. You got to be willing to be vulnerable because what is happening here is hard. Again, trying to learn additive knowledge is one thing. Trying to learn something where you are building new neural pathways 
hurts. And so you got to be willing to expose yourself to that. Um, security is one of the toughest and GRC is one of the toughest industries out there. So, um, you know, you got to be brave. This is part one of my interview with Janai Marinkovich. Click the link below for part two.